Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Tonight we're going to talk about something that's, that's important. I, you know, this is, this is a subject that I had already been kind of looking at and uh, wondering when I'd get around to it. And then while we were in um, Colorado, Mark Bauer got up and was giving his testimony. He kind of had a three-part sermon there, didn't you? Three that's packed into one. And he started talking about walking in love. And uh, I'm going, now, Mark, don't you take my stuff here, bud. So he was short, so, so I, I think I can expound a little bit more on what he had to say that night. That's okay. But you know what? It's, the, the theme seems to kind of all run together, you know, about the revival that we're experiencing and the things that we're seeing in our midst right now and, the, and the, the hunger that's in this place and the desire to see the things of God come to pass more fully, more completely in, in every service. But you know what? The enemy's not too thrilled about that. And so he's going to do things, whatever he can do, to do his very best to short-circuit the move of God, if he can. He, he, wants, he wants to stop, stop it. He wants to sabotage the whole thing. And so, you know, the Bible tells us that we have to be on the lookout, you know, because he's a wily thing. He's pretty stupid, but he's pretty wily. You know, the only problem is for us, some of us, we haven't figured out that he does the same things over and over again. You know, and, and, you know, it's kind of, what is it, the essence of stupidity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. Well, you see, part of what he does, he gets the results he wants in people who don't know differently. You know, but when you're forewarned and forearmed, you know, you can be ready for him so that what he tries comes to nothing. You know, and so, you know, he can come from the outside. He can come and he can attack you individually in your finances, you know, in your home, in your body, you know, all kinds of things, you know, to try to circumvent the move of God that, that's going on in your own heart, in your own life. But then as a body, you know, if he can't work it from the outside, he wants to work it from the inside. And, and we just need to go back and just be reminded of how important it is to walk in love. Um, go with me to John 13, 34. Got lots of scriptures tonight. John 13, 34. Jesus talking, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. 2 John 5. First, second, third John are known as the love epistles. Second John, verse 5. Now, now I beseech you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment. Isn't that interesting? Now I beseech thee, lady. Mm. We won't dwell on that. Not as though I wrote a new commandment unto you, but that, we, that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. Go with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now go with me to Romans 13, 8. Romans 13, 8. 
It says, owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. You know, this verse has been taken out of context and, and, and it's been preached as though it meant something else. You know, it's like, you know, don't borrow from anybody. But that's not what it's talking about at all. It says, owe no man anything but to love one another. Um, the Goodspeed translation of the latter part where it says, for he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. The Goodspeed says, has fully satisfied the law. The Knox translation says that he has done all that the law demands. And the Weymouth translation says, leave no debt unpaid except the standing debt of love. You know, that's one debt you will never repay because every single day we have opportunities to walk in love. And so that's a debt that we will always be paying on. You know, and, and it profits us a great deal to constantly be making those payments instead of withholding payment. Uh-huh. So what is walking in love? Go with me to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. I guess you knew we were going to wind up there. Hallelujah. But, you know, I want to read it out of the Amplified. You may say, well, I know those verses. Well, you know, it never hurts to read them again. And the Amplified, you know, just says it so well and it's so clearly. Starting in verse 4, love endures long. You know, you have to have a picture of what the love walk is all about. And here, you know, here's, here's the script for it. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy. Oh, I have my days. I know it. Or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. You know, there are times when we read this and, and we, we just think, you know, that is so far out there. That's just so beyond what I can comprehend that I'm capable of. You are capable of doing every bit of this. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. The fruit of the recreated human spirit, one of the primary fruits of that is love. You can do it. If God put his love on the inside of you, then it's just a matter of letting that love come out and walking out the love that's already on the inside of us. And this is how we walk it out. Here's our directions. This is, what, this is how we know that we're walking in love. When we're not conceited, not arrogant, we're not rude, we're not fretful, we're not resentful, we're not touchy, we don't take account of evil done. I mean, this, this right here, this version of these passages is one that you ought to have close at hand 
all the time. All the time. Because every single day, we need to put it into practice. You will put it into practice every day. Every day. But, you know, we have to, we have to be aware of certain things. You know, sometimes we just get, we get so caught up in our day-to-day stuff, and we respond in a certain way, and we just, just without thinking, and we just go on and, until later when, when the Lord gets a hold of our attention, you know, and our heart says, hold it. Stop there. Uh, let's, let's go back and review the last few minutes. Uh, what was that? And you have to, then you're on the inside of you, just, you have to look, take a good, honest look and go, that did not look or sound like love. No. Go with me to Psalm 1914. When I was in junior high age, I had this wonderful lady who taught the eighth grade girls. You know, she was, I mean, one of the sweetest people I have ever met. She walked out her life in the Lord. She loved people. I mean, she was wonderful. But this was the favorite scripture that she had us repeat every single Sunday morning in Sunday school as we wrapped up the class. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, I don't know if she did that because we were we were just at that age where hormones were starting to bloom, blossom, explode. Um, but you know what? I've never forgotten the example she said. And the words, you know, that she would, she would always encourage us every single Sunday, you know, with these words. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. See, it's not a matter of whether they're acceptable in somebody else's sight. It's not a matter if they're acceptable in your sight, your spouse's sight, your, your, your kid's sight, your employer's sight. You know, where the people say, oh, well, you know, that doesn't, it's no big deal. Is it acceptable in God's sight? And we generally know when it's not acceptable. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there's two parts here. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. You know, never make the mistake that you think that the love walk is just action that can be seen. The love walk has to do with the heart as well. Sometimes we don't give voice to a problem that we're having with something or somebody. But on the inside, you know, the mind is just thinking and, and saying all kinds of things. In our heart, we're harboring certain things that should not be there. And so you have to look at both things. Go with me now to Ephesians 4.29. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I've got a note here to read this. In the, actually, I actually went ahead and typed it out. It says, let no foul 
or polluting language, no evil word nor unwholesome talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others as is fitting to the need and the occasion, that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. Hmm. I read that and I thought, well, now that, that, that's, that's pretty incredible. But only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. You know, the way we react in certain situations can either be a help or a hindrance to somebody else's spiritual progress. Because what we do and what we say, how we act, you know, influences people positively or negatively. Especially, especially when they know that you say you're a believer. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to go around and be party to certain kinds of conversation, uh, certain kinds of jokes, certain kinds of gossip, which gossip, you know, in and of itself is not healthy. But is it benefiting anybody's spiritual progress? Mm, no. No. What is polluting language? Those things that just that, that bring in just that, that sense of, ugh. Well, that's not so bad. Well, there's not any, it's not just a, whether it's a degree of something. If it's, if it's the least bit foul, the least bit polluting, the least bit unedifying, should it be coming out of our mouth? No, it should not. And you think, well, you know, you're making a big a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, no. The problem is if you keep on, the, there will be a mountain that should have only been a molehill. Because we needed to learn to recognize those kind of things, those kind of situations that we find ourselves in, and are party to. Sometimes it's not just the fact that we're saying it. Sometimes it is a matter of that we're a party to other people's conversation. And we're just by our very presence and our participation in the group, we're leading, lending credence to what they're saying. You know, it's called guilt by association. You know, we, we're going to have to be a lot more careful in the days ahead, you know, about the things that come out of our mouth. I, I just, you know, since, since last week, I mean, and, and I know this to be true, but just since last week when I, when I started, started this and I had this on paper last Wednesday night, the last week I have been more aware of what has come out of my mouth than I think I've ever been. You know, and, and there were things that I started to say and on the inside I went, no, 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 no. If we're going to continue on in, in this area in this, of revival that we're in, we're going to have to be very careful about what comes out of our mouth. As it pertains not only to ourselves, but to other people, and how we respond to those, but how we interact with people, what we say, what we do. Uh, you know, Proverbs 18, 20, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Go with me over there. I think I wrote... Uh, a couple of other translations down in my Bible. 
18.21. Yes. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The Beck translation says, those that love to talk will have to eat what they say. That's pretty good, isn't it? And the Moffat translation says, death and life are determined by the tongue. You know, and, and there are serious consequences. You know, I, I have known of several people who just because of family situations have said, well, in fact, is I was just talking to somebody here recently about um, a man whose, I think, father had died of a heart attack when he was 40 years old. And this young man said, that's me. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to live past 40. And you know he died when he was 40? He died when he was 40. Brother Hagen, I remember a situation that, um, that came up. A young man suddenly, suddenly died. And I, and I don't know to this day whether they ever figured out what the cause of it was. And somebody asked him, you know, should they go up there and, and, and try to raise this young man from the dead? I mean, he was only like in his 20s. And I remember the statement that he said he made, because, I mean, he, he talked about this in several sermons, you know, the different times that we were there in the services with him. And he said, he said this, he said, certain things once set in motion cannot be undone. You know, you can set certain things in motion with the words of your mouth, and then it's too late. You know, I, I'm reminded of... Um, Bruce Black, how many of y'all remember Brother Black? You know, he, you know, he was a traveling uh, minister who was with us many times over the years, and he's pastoring now. And he had, he had a, a severe health crisis that came into his life. And he went to sleep going under anesthetic, quoting the word. He came out of the anesthetic, quoting the word. It's got to do with what's on the inside and the fact that he's trained himself to speak the word at all times. It doesn't just have to do with love. It has to do with you have got to be conscious of the fact that what you, the words of your mouth is going to bear fruit, good or bad. And we need to take stock of what we're saying and make sure that the fruit that we're, that we're producing is only good stuff. James 3 5, go over there. James 3, verse 5. Well, let's, let's just start in verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Look at that. If a man offend not in word, it's got to be what he says with his mouth. In verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things, Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The Message Bible here. That verse is in verse 3. It says, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. 
A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Amazing, isn't it? The Living Bible says the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. Mm. Amazing. And so, you know, when you're talking about, about walking in love, you know, that it seems to me that there are times when we think, well, you know, that's, it's something very visible. And it seems like it's a huge task, but, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge task. You know, we can get to the place where, you know, we, we control our mouth a whole lot better than we do. If a small little rudder can control a mighty ship, one of those great sailing vessels that goes across the ocean, then this little thing can be controlled in the hands of an expert. What does it say here? Uh, in the hands of a skilled captain. Well, that needs to describe us. We need to become skilled at handling this little thing so that it doesn't destroy, but it edifies. It builds, builds up. It ministers grace to the hearers anytime we're in any kind of a situation. It can be done, and, we, and we're, going, we're going to learn how. And it's, and it's vital that we learn to do it sooner rather than later. Walking in love is profitable. Go with me to 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. Here's my, here's my excuse for not doing what I should do. For bodily exercise profits little. Yay! There's my out. Yes! But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Listen. Exercise in this life is important for your body's sake, for your health's sake. But in the long term, it only profits us while, while we're alive on this earth. And we're, our life on this earth is just a little, little, little fraction of time. So why spend so much? We have to spend some, okay? It can't become our focus. It can't become our whole life. It can't be where we're, we're centered on, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. That is only going to profit you for a short amount of time. But godliness is profitable because it lasts not only in this life, but in the life that is to come. There's a promise that's already been made to us that it profits us here, the office of promises profits us later. But there's much to be said, you know, about the profits that love will bring. Walking in love is an exercise just like physical exercise. And, and so I, I, I got to look at this today, and, and I know this. When it comes to just making an exercise program for yourself physically, number one, you have to start with is a decision. Mm-hmm. Not a resolution, New Year's resolution, but an actual decision. You know, how many of you have had New Year's resolutions and they've lasted about 24 hours? Maybe 24 hours. Sometimes, you know, you last a couple of weeks, sometimes maybe even a couple of months, you know. But as time goes by, you know, it's easier and easier not to. But, you see, walking in love is a decision. 
You have to recognize the importance of it and what it will do for you when you walk in love, what, how much it profits you, how much it's, it's a command from the Lord to do, how much you want to obey the command that you see in the Word to walk in love. You have to make a decision based on all those things to do what you have to do, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what the weather is, regardless of what else you have to do. This is the most important thing to me. I have to do this. I have to do this. And then once you've made a decision to do some bodily exercise, then you've got to find out how. What do I do now? I mean, I mean, somebody needs to show me how I, how I, you know, what do I do? Do I get, do I get 50-pound weights or do I start with three-pound weights? What do I do? Well, you know, you can always go back to the Word, your manual, right here. What does love look like? First Corinthians 13 tells us exactly what it looks like. This is, this is the how-to right in here. Because if you're not told not to be conceited, then you will be conceited. If you're told, no, that's, that's no, no, being arrogant is wrong, don't do it that way, then you know there's another way. It's just the opposite. So here's your manual for what to do and what not to do. Okay, don't do that, do this. Then, while bodily exercise also, if you're going to get a lot out of it, you maybe want to get a personal trainer. Well, it looks to me, go over with me to John 14, 26. I think I have a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. When it comes to walking in love, there is a personal trainer. But the comforter, that's the paraclete. The counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the standby, the strengthener which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. There's your personal trainer right there. There's your personal trainer. He's right here on the, on the inside to lead you and to guide you, to strengthen you. And he say, your everything in you wants to say, this is too hard. He's there to say, no, it's not. You can do it. No, it's not. You can do it. When you say, yes, but I need, I need somebody to back me up. I mean, I know I've been wronged. You know, he's your advocate. He's your intercessor. You don't have to do it. You just let him do it. You know, a personal trainer is, is right there alongside you to lend and assist you if you find yourself in need of it. Always there. Ever present. There to help you. Then there's, then there's consistency. You know, you're not going to get much out of exercise, bodily exercise, if you're not consistent with it. For me to lift weights, you know, for the, for the first three weeks of the year and then take six months off, probably is not going to profit me much. <laughs> Same thing where your love walk is concerned. To just practice it for the next couple of weeks and then to lay it aside because I don't want to. See, that's the point I get to with exercise. I don't want to. And as believers, there's a lot of times we get to the place where it comes to our, the love walk where we just go, we don't, you, you, I'm never going to find somebody who just says, I don't want to, not very often. 
you, they'll say it in all kinds of other ways. But the gist of it, when you break it right down and you get right to the bottom of the and the heart of the matter is, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Well, something needs to change right there. We need to go back to the decision process again. But go with me to Galatians. I told you we had lots of scriptures tonight. Let's go to Galatians 5, verse 16. Here's your consistency. This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. You think? So that you cannot do the things that you would. But you see, this is, our, this is our advocate. This is what we have to do. We have to walk in the spirit. Which means we're going to have to become more and more conscious of our spirit man as time goes by. And, you know, in, I was thinking the other day, you know, you, you talk about all these different aspects of things that we need, to, we need to be aware of when it comes to just keeping ourselves in a place where the enemy can't come in and, and, and okay, okay, do I have to get up in the mornings and I, have to, and I have to pray about favor and I have to pray about my job and I have to pray about blessings and I have to pray about my finances and I have to pray about my, about my health and I have to pray about walking in love. I'm just kind of overwhelmed with it all. Listen, when you really boil it all down, it comes down to just this one thing, following that inward man. You follow that inward man more and more accurately as time goes by, you'll fulfill all of this. When you learn to listen right here and respond when he's telling you to do something or not to do something, then we'll fulfill all of that. It really won't be that hard. Then there's communication. You know, we have to continually just keeping ourselves built up on your most holy faith is what Jude says. Praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, when you know what the Word says. There are times when you're just going to have to just reinforce what the Word says by just praying in the Holy Ghost. Just praying it out. Building yourself up. You know, sometimes we, we pray just because we need to be built up. You having a problem in the love walk? You need to spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost. You got your scriptures right here. You know, it's perfectly obvious what it says in black and white. But to build yourself up on that, you know, sometimes it just takes spending some time. You got a particular situation you're dealing with that, that's really tough? Spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost. That spirit man will get to the place where he's bigger than that flesh man. And he'll be able to walk out. The flesh man then has to walk out what the spirit man insists on. But see, too many times we, we let the flesh man dominate us because we don't want to put the effort into building up the spirit man. And that's the key. You build, him, you build this man on the inside up, the outside man has got to go along. He has no choice. You know, and that's why we're told to renew our minds, you know, over in Romans 12. Just we, we're to renew our minds with the word and then praying in the Holy Ghost makes such a huge difference. Then, you know, then there's just lifestyle. It has to get to the place where we're just so committed to the love walk. We're so determined that we're going to walk in love. We're committed to listening to our hearts. And, and with time, as time goes by, 
it becomes so much a part of us that we're able to do it without even having to think about it all that hard. It becomes, that's when it becomes a lifestyle to us. Go over with me to John 12, 35. We were there just a minute ago with another verse that was just before that. John 12, 20, 35. Is that right? No. Ah, sorry. Thirteen thirty-five says, "By this shall all men know that you are my, my disciples, if you have love one to another." See, the love walk really isn't just depending on whether we walk in love to to another believer. Our love walk has to extend to those who are without, those who are, on, who are not part of the family of faith. You say, well, they, yeah, but they're, they're children of Belial. You know, they're sons of the devil. Well, you still have to walk in love toward them. There's a witness there when you walk in love toward people. Who was that comedian, that Christian comedian from quite a few years back that was just, does anybody remember his name? No, no, no. Ah, probably 20 years ago. What was his name? I mean, he was, he was, I, I recall he was so, he was hilarious. But he was talking about when he was in the army and he was not born again. What? Mike Warnke, that's it. Thank you. Uh, he was in the army and he was not born again. And he had these two other guys who were in boot camp with him. One had a bunk on one side, one had a bunk on the other side. And they determined to love him. And he was so nasty and so mean and so hateful to them constantly. He's, you know, I remember some of the stories he would tell about the things he would do to them. And they would just look and smile. They would just smile at him. You know, they would say wonderful things to him. They'd polish his boots even when he was mean to them. And you know what? Over the course of time, the fact that they walked in love toward him wore him down until one day he finally gave his heart to the Lord. You know, it makes a difference how we treat people who are not born again, especially when they see that we're in situations that any ordinary person would be, you know, having a problem here and they would not be kind or not be nice. If they see your example that you can walk in love through those kind of situations, then you show them that the love of God is residing on the inside, that it's real and it's genuine because nobody could do that unless God was in them because they know what the situation is. You know, there are people out there who need, who need to see that because they have never known what real love looks like. We're growing up in a generation right now, and we see people who, whose lives are so dysfunctional that from the time they're born, they don't know what love really looks like. And where are they going to see it? They need to see it from believers who, are, who have made decisions and are committed to walking in love no matter what and no matter who. Mm. There are some benefits from walking in love. Number one, when you respond in love, 
it'll keep your heart clear to be able to hear what the Holy Ghost has to say to you about other things. How are you going to get direction, accurate direction, from the Holy Ghost if you're not hearing him when he says, uh-uh, don't say that. No, don't act like that. No, you go back and apologize. If we're not obeying that, how can we hear clearly what he has to say to us about other things? So responding in love will help keep our heart clear to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying. Responding in love will bear fruit in your life, fruit that grows and that produces. Go with me to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. You know, there's blessings that God wants to to produce in our lives. And sometimes blessing doesn't come because we're not walking in love. But you're walking in love. There will be fruit that will be produced. Uh, Go with uh, verses 10 and 11 of the same chapter. It says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Peace comes in your life. You know what? Not, not walking in love toward people, it just keeps you torn up. Sometimes people are, you know, they're in equally as bad a shape, you know, in reverse or in response to you. But a lot of times they're not. And the only person who's hurting here is you. Hmm. Responding in love will prolong your life and help your health. Deuteronomy 440. Go over there. Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 440. There sh- thou shalt keep, therefore, his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, that ye may prolong your days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God hath given thee forever. You know that you might say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, you know what? The commandments, the commandments of the Old Testament have all been wrapped up and tied up in that one simple command of love one another. And well, if we keep his commandments, what will it, it says it may go well with you and with your children that you may prolong your days upon the earth. Well, I think that's a pretty good prophet right there. That's that's a great blessing. Um, there are verses that talk about how you can shorten your life, and I won't, we won't read them tonight. Psalm eighty nine forty five. Psalm 102.23, Proverbs 10.27. There's some more verses that talk about how you can add to your days. Proverbs 3.16, Proverbs 9.11, 
Proverbs 10:27, Proverbs 28:16. Go with me to Psalm 34. Verses 12 through 15 says, What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Well, wouldn't that be just like everybody? I mean, that's kind of like, like a redundant question. Like, really? What man is he who desires life? Uh, this one. And loves many days that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. There's profit right there. Mm. It comes to children over in Exodus 20, verse 12. I think the primary department has... has, uh, Gone, talked about these kind of verses over the years quite a lot. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Well, you see, that's still Old Testament. Well, that's fine. Then go over to Ephesians. You don't like that one? We'll go to, we'll go to the New Testament. Ephesians 6. Starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Mm. You know, you, you look around sometimes today and there, there's very little honor in a lot of families. Very little of that. Children who want to do their own thing, who don't want to obey. You know, a parent who's a real parent wants nothing but good for their children. But children don't always understand what good is. They just think you're just being tough on them, that you're just being an old fogey, that you're totally out of touch, that obviously you were never my age. <laughs> Ever heard that before? It's like, yeah, I was there. When our kids were teenagers, we, we, kind, of, we kind of told them, listen, there's no point in you trying much of anything because we've pretty much done it all. And so, you know, we, we won't believe anything you have to say. Mm -mm, no, you're not going to pull any the world over our eyes. You know. Not gullible here. It's not, we're not that long removed for us doing the same things. You know, and so really, they, they really didn't. You know, I, I look back now and, and I wonder, you know, uh, funny story, pastor's mom, you know, she, she really didn't, I don't know if she didn't know or she didn't want to know some of the nonsense he was into. Yes, I, 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 she, she spent a lot of time on her knees praying, you know, but she didn't want to ask a whole lot of questions. And uh, one night he's taking off to go out, go out the door. She's going, well, where are you going? I'm going to a concert. Well, what kind of a concert? Well, it's a, it's a band called The Second Coming. Oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> I'm going, if she only knew what that was, you know. You know, it was, it was not a gospel group. You know, but because they were called the second coming, you know, she just assumed something that, that was not accurate. So, um, you know, and she, she really didn't want to know, I don't think. 
that. She just knew she needed to pray, and bless her heart, she did. And uh, those prayers prevailed. Amen. Listen, responding in love will cause you to reap love when you need it. Because none of us are going to get it 100% of the time. Nobody will. And so there are times when you're going to need somebody to walk in love toward you. And so sowing it will help you reap it. Galatians, you, you see there in, in chapter 6, says whatever a man sows, that will he reap. That pertains to every kind of sowing possible. And when it comes to the walking in, the, in love, it's sure one of the biggies. You know, there's been times when I just, I just needed somebody to be merciful to me. You know, I've been a real basket case. I've been a real turkey, you know. And so um, they were kind and gracious. You know, but you have to sow that into other people if you want to reap it. N nasty attitude 24-7 is not going to get you that kind of grace reaped in your life. Unless somebody somewhere is so determined to walk in love toward you that they'll forego all of that. But, you know, make, let's make it easier on people to sow back into us because we've sowed into them. That would be nice. Hallelujah. Responding in love will keep your faith working like it should. Galatians 5, 6, you're close by. The last part of that verse says, but faith which works by love. The Amplified of that says, faith activated, energized, and expressed, and working through love. Listen, if you can't walk in love toward people, it will affect your ability to believe God for anything. It really will. You want your faith life to be where it ought to be? You want to be operating in the level, faith level that's up here? Your love walk has to equal that. It has to be right up there with it. You know, you can't have a bad attitude about people and then expect God to meet your needs because faith doesn't work unless it's operating through love. If you're not walking in love, it's a hindrance to God being able to get the blessings to you that he wants to get to you. Hallelujah. Responding in love will also make you a candidate to be used by God. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. I'm sorry, that's 2, verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these... He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. You know, there are, there are people who would like to be used by God and probably wonder why they're never used by God for anything. That's a time to go back and check up on your love walk. Listen, God's wanting to use anybody and everybody who's available. But if we're not walking in love like we should, if we're not responding when the Holy Spirit on the inside of us says, uh-uh, don't do that, that's not a good move. If we're not responding when, he, when he's talking to us about our love walk, he can't use us. He can't use us. 
You know, and that's not the place we want to be in the days that we're living in. We want to be ready and available and fit to be used. We want to be worthy of that. We want to be in a, in a place where he can trust us with those things because we're willing to listen. We're willing to obey. We're willing to step out of our little comfort zone and, and, what, and what we want to do into a place where we do what the Word says. And that makes us a candidate then to be used by him. Brother Hagin said this. He said, every step out of love is a step into sin. I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with that statement. Every step out of love. You know, we can't, we can't qualify certain situations. Well, you know, you know I'll, I'll, I'll do better in over here, but, you know, this person has really done something bad, and I just I can't get over it. Yes, you can. You know what? You can take those kind of areas, and we're going to talk about forgiveness next week. Uh, you can. You can do it. Sometimes forgiving somebody becomes an act of faith. Sometimes you have to make it a faith project, but you can do it. You have to, have to stop and readily identify the, the can or I don't want to. You know, that's where we're at a lot of times. I don't want to. This is one situation where I don't want to walk in love. Lord, I, I, I don't mind, you know, doing, I'll, I'll do all these other things, but that one situation, no, I don't want to. That's really what we're saying. I just can't, I just can't get over it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can get over whatever it is. Listen, there are people sitting in this congregation who have been through some horrendous things in their lifetimes, and they're walking in love to the people who caused those situations to happen, and they have let it go. Some things you just got to let go. You know, just, just move on. Let it go. Just, just forget about it and go on. You know, and then we have, to be, we have to be people who not only are working on our love walk, but we're helping somebody else work on their love walk. When you get into places and conversations with people that you got no business being involved in, if you can't, if you can't help them, doesn't Matthew say, blessed are the peacemakers? If you can't help them, if they won't be encouraged to see that they can walk in love in this situation as well, you have to walk away. But you know what? It's our job to be peacemakers, you know, to bring, to bring the love of God into any situation instead of helping to stir up strife, instead of helping to, to ruin somebody's reputation, instead of believing things that may or may not be so. We need to be peacemakers, we need to be people who will say, you know what? You can still walk in love toward that person. You can still forgive. You can still just have a wonderful life in spite of what they've done. God will bless you, you know, if, if, you just, if you'll just let it go. You know, be the peacemakers. Go with me over to Hebrews, and we'll close with this. Hebrews 12. Hallelujah. Verses 14 through 15. You know, when we don't follow peace, when we don't follow that, that urging by the Spirit to walk in love, you know, there are things that happen. Verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root 
of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Amplified version of that. Let me find it. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. Listen to this in verse 15. Exercise forethought and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing, in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoot forth and cause trouble and bitter torment, and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. Walking in love has to do with a lot more and many times than just us. You know, and so we need to see this, that we don't let things fester on the inside of us until a root of bitterness comes up. Because when it does, when it begins to spring up, there's no containing it. There's no spiritual roundup. Except so you just get right in there and pull the thing out. Just pull it out. And you know what? I thank God that there is such, such a love in this church. And there is no strife in this church. But you know what? To keep it that way, we have to be constantly on guard. And we have to constantly go back and review these things to make sure our hearts stay where it's at, to, re, to be reminded. Because the enemy is going to give us opportunities to walk in love or not walk in love. And that's going to be a decision that each one of us will have to make. And it affects not just you, but it affects the whole body. But thank God, you know, I'm just here just to remind you tonight. Not to correct anything, but just to remind you of what the love walk is all about. So that we can stay in that place where we're, we're diligent and we can be used of God in the days ahead. Because when people come in from here from now on, they won't know what you know about walking in love. And it's going to be up to us to incorporate them into our body and, and to help them learn what walking in love is all about. To be those shining examples of what it means and how it plays out on a day-to-day basis. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.